We're live now. Rich. Well, welcome everybody. This is our third broadcast of uh, the, our podcast series. And uh, just want to say hello, and we're just going to start getting into what we're talking about today. We don't need any more introductions. Well, you guys know who we are. Again? Yeah. He's not plugged in. Don't get them riled up. <laughs> All right, we're going to start now. Rich is back take, from camping. Take two. This How are the is levels? Uh, we got good levels? Yeah. Oh, well, so. we always got good levels. I see the green stuff. I don't see any red. Well, you will if you talk a little bit louder, right? I yeah, see. Real well, that's not there. red. That's pink. No, it's yellow. Yellow. There you go. Perfect. Welcome, everybody. This is our third podcast. Is it? Of a weekly series. How often do we do these things? We do it every week. See? That's why it's a called a week. weekly series. <laughs> like to welcome Rich back from his camping adventure. Yeah, welcome back. Yes, I was away for uh, three days. I was up in the Catskills doing some nice relaxing and getting away from all the tension that builds up in this shop. Rich? I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, is it true, the rumor, you had a face-to-face -face encounter with a grizzly? Uh, it wasn't a grizzly. It was a black bear. Uh. And I've been going up to this campsite a number of years, and this is the first time I heard ever mention of a black bear. Though I never really saw the black bear. <laughs> I'm taking on the word from the people that were staying across the way from us. That the black bear was right there on their site. That was probably a stray dog. <laughs> a raccoon. Well, people, people were hitting pots and pans and yelling, bear, bear, bear. Bad mushroom trip. Yeah. Again. You had somebody streaking through the campground. <laughs> I, I never got, it wasn't me. I never got to see the bear. Anyway, uh, our beer of the week. And today it's my choice. So, of course, I was up in the northern part of the country, and I decided to get something that represents the northern area. A little out-of-town beer. Exotic. Yeah. It's not exotic. Believe me. <laughs> the pouch is being opened, and the first beer comes oh, out. Oh, I haven't seen this in a while. And what is it, Rich? It's Labatt Blue. Labatt Blue. Made in Canada. Is this going to require any kind of special tool to open? I don't know. No. I'll tell you right now. Nope. It opens up with a twist off. I've seen uh, some people on Molson Triple X do some pretty crazy stuff. Another <laughs> Canadian beer. Cheers, Ricardo. Cheers. Cheers. Jindam. A Canadian Pilsner, right on the label. Yes, it, it is. instructs us. Yeah. A Pilsner. Hmm. Is that how they say it up there? Mm. Hmm. Quite refreshing. Got a little Not kick bad. to it. Imported. Better than um, what I was expecting. Now what that's a re-endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as I was expecting. <laughs> no, it's pretty good. I was going to get some Utica Club, but I couldn't find it in bottles or cans up there. But right. so that just makes me think of like club soda. But it's, it is kind of like a, a Coors Light. And the Budweiser. That's mm -hmm. exactly what it's like. It's just like a Coors Light and Budweiser. Huh. Because they didn't have Coors Light up there, and they had Bud Light, and I didn't want Bud Light. Yeah. So I had Thank the Utica. You. Thank well, it's you weird. That. You know, the girl said the same thing. Pilsner spelled P-I-L-S-E-N-E-R. Pilsner. Yeah. Pilsner. But on, you know, everything I've seen from the U.S., it's spelled P-I-L-S-N-E-R. -E yeah. yeah. We're a little bit more economical with our words. Yeah, less yeah. letters. We, we get confused very easily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's that public education system. Oh. Well, uh, the second, the third part of our story here, or the, uh, part of our podcast, is the uh, woodworking backstory. And uh, today it's uh, Jeff's turn to tell everybody about his journey to this uh, great organization. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have to find something to fill this time, I guess, in the uh, in the coming weeks. Cause yes, we're all out of backstory. Um, so, front story. Yeah, I guess I have to start prior to woodworking. You know, I, I 
started working at restaurants, um, you know, as soon as I could. I guess I was maybe 13. Started out as a busboy and a waiter and moved on to, you know, doing some management type stuff. Uh, so I'm working in a restaurant in 2012 when Hurricane Sandy hits. Uh, we're here in Monmouth County, New Jersey, so Hurricane Sandy, you know, it, it wiped out a lot. Yeah. And actually, you know, this is, it's eight years in about four weeks, maybe three weeks. And a lot of the areas are still recovering. Yeah, there are still houses yet to be raised, or the they never got the insurance money, or you know any of that sort of federal lending to mm-hmm. raise their homes, and they wound up having to abandon them because uh, they couldn't get uh, insurance. Yeah, yeah, towns like Highlands where I was living and working. <clears throat> I mean, I, I haven't been down there in I don't know maybe a year, but the town still wasn't the same going yeah. back you know two years ago. Uh, anyway, so the the restaurant I'm working at you know, got hit by Sandy, you know, very hard. Uh, my house had seven feet of water, lost my house, my car, and now my job because this restaurant's completely destroyed. Um, you know, so it's not going to be open for God knows how long. So I get a call. This is actually, I want to say the day after Thanksgiving, Sandy happened at the end of October. So we're now a couple weeks later. Um, you know, I'm in a new apartment and, uh, I get a call. It's from my boss from the restaurant, Mark. He says, yeah, I got a call from one of the clients. Um, he started working with this contractor, you know, just to pick up some part-time work. And he wanted to know if anybody, you know, from the restaurant was interested because we know you're going to be out of work for a while. So I said, yeah, I, you know, I have <laughs> nothing else going for me right now. It, you know, my whole life has been sort of turned upside down. Uh, so I go and I start working with this guy. We're doing tear outs of sheetrock. You know, patching sheetrock. Basically, we're doing repairs for the storm. I did a little bit of trim work, framing, you know, all that good stuff. Um, so after a while, I worked for this guy for about a year, and the work kind of dries up. I go back to bartending for a little bit. Um, then I get a job uh, with this custom builder over in Little Silver, which is, you know, where I happen to meet these guys. So I worked for, for this guy, Paul, for six years as the lead finished carpenter you know basically uh i won't say running the job but you know working directly with the project manager throughout the whole finish you know finish aspect of every job how and long were you with paul before you met us at Dokken? well met you guys in 2016 and i left in let's see it's 2020 we've been here for a year i was at tom's who (laughs) must have been 18 months before that so had to be a good three three four years uh, well it was it was towards the tail end so probably four years five years it was right before i got married we got got married in october 2016 and it was right before that that you guys were you realize you were pointing the rod when you said we got married yeah not father. that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> Rob has been mistaken for my father on more than one, uh, once on Instagram, once at the T-shirt That's store true. here. We're three generations strong yeah, here. Yeah. Four if you count my son. That's right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, saying, that makes me the oldest. You are the oldest. Yeah. Just, we happen to sit in this order somehow. Uh, so yeah, working in the house in Atlantic Islands. Meet these guys. I think I met Rob first. He came in to measure for the mantle oh, yeah. or something. Yeah. We struck up a conversation <laughs> talking, you know, Rob gave me his story about working in San Francisco and we started to riff because we had both worked in restaurants. And the music was on, it yeah, was nice. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Then um Rich came in as the kitchen installer, you know, when the kitchen cabinet showed up and, and you know, Rob came back in to help Rich. And after that, you know, I didn't see these guys for, you know, a year and a half, two years. Um, I'm working at a house down in Seeger. I get a call, said, oh, yeah, I ran into Tom. He's looking for an installer. So I, I knew Tom. We butt heads, you know, the minute that we, that we met. I was uh, at the job early one morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. We would put polyurethane down on the floor 
before the cabinets came because, you know, yeah. we used yeah. uh, unfinished hardwood. So the floors would get sanded, finished this way. If any water got underneath of the cabinets, you know, it was protected. So he comes in immediately. He's busting my balls about, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, this is 7 o'clock in the morning. So I'm there well early. He's saying, why do you, you don't have to do this. So anyway, he just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, oh, no, not Tom. Yeah. He usually starts unplugging your things, too. That's, yeah, that's he, another one of his characteristics. Yeah, he turned my radio down a couple times. and Oh, he was famous for that. All yeah. the other job sites. Oh, he didn't. Yeah, he I've always heard some stories. turning people's radios off. I've heard stories about guys having bad reactions to that. Yeah. Which, rightfully so. You don't touch another guy's. You don't touch another Stuff. tradesman's tools yeah. or anything on a job uh, without asking. So I get this call. I go in. You know, I'm 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 a little stuck in a rut where I'm at. Um, sort of hit the the pay ceiling first of all, and the just the skill. I I felt like I wasn't. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to do more, and I kind of had done everything that I could have. You know, all the creativity ceiling. Yeah. So I go. I interview, and I end up taking the position that Rich held prior to that. So Rich had left. Yes, because of my wife's uh, fat pension, I left. So I, <laughs> I take over as the installer, and you know, working in the shop when there's no installs going on, and I was on sabbatical at that time. Yeah, Rob was uh, working on that kitchen, that cherry, cherry and maple kitchen, and um, and I, yeah, I still remember Lou, because I wasn't sure if I was going to go back. I mean, Lou. <laughs> This other guy called me, and he said, uh, oh, you're going to love the new guy. Remember? I, I remember asking, because yeah. I, uh, I, I knew who Rich was, because the whole situation was explained to me about him leaving to go. I'm sure it was a really true story. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure there was, there was zero actual facts there. But, uh, yeah, so I heard, I knew where Rich was, and I asked. I said, oh, where's that guy, you know, guy with the crazy hair the glasses i don't remember his name and i think they may have said something about you coming back yeah um so then i don't know what it was maybe four six weeks later it was right around the time hunter was born so my son was born in in uh, june i think i got there right before he was born yeah it was like must have been like a week or two before and i started there in may so may june yeah a month month later you were back and you know Everything, oh, a new job always starts out, it's exciting, it's new, and then you start to see where all the, the, the weak links and yeah, and cracks are. Um, there are a lot. Yeah, so you can lose motivation very quickly because, <clears throat> you know, when you hold yourself to a high standard, you, you don't like to be surrounded by people that don't necessarily hold themselves to a high standard. Um, so there was always sort of this... Well, I shouldn't say always. We really worked hard to try and make some changes at this shop. Yeah, I mean, there there were times where we were, you know, we actually believed when we were told it would happen that we were going to embark on new methodologies because there was, you know, a yearning to improve and learn and and it's, it's stretch called, ourselves. Uh, it's called drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, yeah, we it was. Uh, it I was serving them. it. It was serving it out. In like those big buckets. Yeah, like the big gulp you get at like 7-Eleven with that big handle. Well, the problem with this gentleman, Tom, is that you can never have an idea. It, that's, it, that's it's what he them. said, yeah. it went. No matter what you said or tried to do, it always was squashed. And it could be the greatest idea in the world. Yeah. Yeah, like slicing up bread or something like that yeah. instead of like buying it in the whole loaf. Yeah, we had the technology to bake bread. Yeah. yeah. So what did you what did you learn at Tom's? Oh, uh, we won't even get into what I what I learned not to do. Yeah. It's more, you know, I learned more of that than what yeah. I learned. Yeah. I mean, because he has a, a big shop. It's about oh, yeah. a five thousand square foot shop, about five times the size of our shop here. Yeah. Um, With twenty foot ceilings. Yeah, yeah. It's like a two story building with just one floor. Yeah. Um. It's got a lot of potentially nice machines and tools. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, the upkeep isn't quite there. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's quite the potential. Right. 
And we tried, you know, because we, I don't know, we had illusions of grandeur that we could, you know, help turn this company around, well, help I them mean, make some money and do things the right way. We spent 45 hours a week there. We wanted yeah, to. Not to, you know, we, and we spent our own time yeah. trying to make improvements and our own blood, sweat, and tears that really, um, we, we weren't obligated to do that. No. We could just punch the clock. So we're working at it, and it's obvious now that things aren't going to change. So we always we have this idea of, man, wouldn't it be nice to just <laughs> get something going and, and do things the right way, do everything the complete opposite of the way it's going here. Then, Rob, you get laid off <laughs> for two weeks. <laughs> Just before yeah. Christmas, too. Yeah. No, it was the day after Christmas. Oh, the day after Christmas. Yeah, day I'm after sorry. Christmas. I was off on Christmas when I came back in. Didn't I, you get a bonus, too? When uh, they, uh, didn't they say that they, they, did. they were the first time they made money because of you working there? That, that is the God's honest truth. They, the, the two owners sat me down and literally told me, after being in business for five years, it, it was the first year that they turned a profit, and it was all down to me. This is not me, you know, blowing my own horn. And it was just due to having somebody there who I think cared and, and worked hard. I mean, mm -hmm. it could have been any other person with the same sort of work ethic. But, yeah. Um, and, uh, by the way, uh, we're laying you off now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we'll call you in two weeks. Yeah, we promise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, you know, the story sort of picks up. We picked up the story a couple of weeks ago from there, you know, where we all get together and, and form this company. Um, but yeah, that's how I got into it. I was a finished carpenter. First, uh, just a basically a laborer um, to a finished carpenter, to a cabinet maker, to uh, now part owner of a custom shop, yeah. a real custom shop. Yeah. I mean, you could even talk a little bit about you know, your beginnings here, and now we've been in business for almost exactly a year. Just the things that you've been able to uh, experience in this year, and it's all at your own hands, really. I mean, it's just being able to, you know, follow your own drumbeat. Yeah, having the control to, I don't even know if control is the right word, the opportunity to, you know, create your own um opportunity and destiny and whatever you know we got to travel to vegas i went to atlanta we get to do you know basically do the work that we want to do and not bend as much to the will of designers and, and clients i mean when we and want to, to do sound, something yeah not to sound um pretentious but we decided a way that we want to do it and, and we, that's how we do yeah it. we try to persuade the clients to you know go along with our vision um it's not a hard sell it's yeah. you know we really believe in this and most of the time the clients you know trust us that's really what it is it's about building trust and you know things like um with cheryl's uh i guess you'd call it like an, an office chest of some sort you know a lot of these things we have the freedom to be fluid even as as the build process is going on. Right. And this was thing was cherry, and it had a, about an inch and a quarter, inch and a half inch thick slab at, with, a, with a curve at the top. And Jeff says, you know, how about if we put like this piece of walnut right in here and I lay it in? And we go, oh, yeah, that would look good. And so we spent the time and built up those skills. You yeah. know, this is, this is how we, we grow here and push ourselves. And it's never a baseless argument. We're not, we're not doing this to um, pat ourselves on the back. No. Or it's because there's a real reason why we want to do things a certain way. Yeah. It's not just for uh, our own selfish desires. You know? Yeah, no, we're not the, the greatest thing to ever happen or anything like that. We're no, three no. guys. Yeah. And we're, we're always <laughs> learning and getting better and finding out, oh, man, we've been doing this a way that's not... Three guys from, I feel like, three guys from Italy. But yeah. All yeah. different ethnic uh, backgrounds. That's right. We can't even trace mine. It's exactly. <laughs> that, that's another story that's down, down the road. In that fact, could be about a six-hour... 
there's going to be another story down the road about this table job that we're uh, looking at right now. Yeah. But again, I, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to yeah. mention anything about <laughs> these this. things have to have a little space in between. Yeah. Yes, but it's pretty interesting. It's like, you know, it's like any sort of small business, the, the characters you encounter and the little things that happen, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just day to day. There's always something to kind of amuse us here. Um, but that was pretty interesting. I mean, it kind of shows if you listen to all three of our stories that um, it's almost like an everyman kind of uh, journey that all of us come from somewhere else with just an interest in woodworking and um, it, it's, it's almost like just about anything else, though. It takes application, desire, hard work, risk-taking. Yeah, definitely yeah. a I risk. Mean, definitely a risk. A lot of things are all in common for all of us. So yeah. it, it's possible for others, you know, if you're listening, you know, take the leap. Yeah. Take the leap. And I've said it to you guys before. You know, I've, op I've operated since the beginning under, basically under fear. <laughs> That's right. You just have this fear in the pit of your stomach that you're going to get found out that you don't know as much as either you, you know, people think you know or that you you make it seem that you know. So I always... What I are you go, saying there, Jeff? I would go home at the end of the day you know, as, a, as a finished carpenter and watch videos and read and always trying to get better because I felt like I was going to get found out. They're, yeah. And they're going to say, this guy's been doing this for six months. He doesn't know yeah. shit. Well... Rich and I, as the old timers here, I know I can speak for him when I say that uh, Jeff is a very adept learner. Yes. Um, really motivated. In fact, we turn to him all the time, especially if it's something that we don't have any experience in because he's going to learn it first and fastest. And this way, I don't have to do it. <laughs> and if I mess up, you can blame it on me. Yeah. <laughs> that's usually, yeah, that, that's a general shop rule. If you're not present when something goes wrong, it is your fault. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I was guilty of something Many these, last, the last few these days. last two days because I wasn't here. You could just visit the shop and get blamed for something. <laughs> That's right. Weeks later. Or even months. We had an intern here for a month or two, and uh, she's still being blamed for yeah. things. Oh, yes. <laughs> Poor woman. She was a nice lady. Yeah, she yeah. was awesome. Yeah. She was awesome. Cheers, Tara. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, the, the whole, um, talking about the whole idea of quality and all that kind of segues into this next, next part that we wanted to talk about. Um, you know, I had some people reach out and they said, basically, hey, you know, I, I buy my doors and drawers. I'm not a bad guy. I'm not trying to cheat anybody or, or rip anybody off or, you know, claim to be something I'm not. So I figured, you know, we could talk about that and sort of clarify what we were getting at because, no, of course not. If you're, if you're just a guy that has, it's you and a couple other people or, or even just you and you can't make your own doors because you can't sell jobs for that price or or take the you know the time to do it well that's one thing what we were getting at is uh you know these big companies these companies that are doing you know fifteen hundred thousand dollar kitchens a year it's not right for them to buy the doors and the drawers and claim selling it as something yeah else. yeah that that's really it um you know, we take umbrage at, at being, you know, lumped in with a company that uh, has, a, has a shiny coat of paint on, you know, their door and says this is a, a totally custom piece of work um, because we have to compete against those companies. And the client wants to know why is it so much more expensive? Um, and, you know, we're a little bit back on our heels, but we're very confident and proud of what we do and we we totally justify what we do and say this is this is the expense of doing the work as we do it um and here are the physical differences and the intrinsic um and you know ephemeral differences mm -hmm. in our piece if you will and we're very transparent if we ever have a a job where we have to purchase something that's a oh, yeah. you know a serious component of the piece the table that rich was uh referring to for example these pedestals well if we're not making it 
we're going to tell you that we're not making it. We're going to say it's coming right. from these people. We're going to stand behind the people that we're buying it from because that's just the right thing to yeah. do. That, in fact, when we um, present our proposals, it's a full spreadsheet of material breakdown, but also uh, we write up what we're going to build. And the, the list, it's easier to have the list of exclusions say, we do everything if, if the job's walnut. Everything's made out of walnut, FAS, five-quarter gray matched, et cetera, et cetera, except these three things. Yes. Right. And if it's a bought item, we name it. We, you know. Yeah, like the slides. and Yeah, and the all the hardware, sure. Because mm -hmm. we don't make our own. Well, no, you've, we did, you did make your own hardware for that uh, <laughs> job for Anand. Yeah, in, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Set. yeah. Yeah, we did. Those were very green and green. Yeah, that, that, that's real cost-effective work, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What'd you get for those? Uh, $10 a piece? Yeah. <laughs> an, an hour each, you yeah. know? Just sanding the little marks out. That was just making them, not, yeah, not yeah. designing them. And right, right. But that's, you know, that's what you get if you're you know, a, a, a good customer of ours, a client. You yeah. add that because you want to. You know, I suggested that. I mm -hmm. fully know what's going to go into it yeah, but and you didn't say uh you know i'm gonna actually i'm gonna need 250 dollars a piece for those right stuff. right um because he appreciates it and he yeah. cherishes it and and i loved making them yeah yeah and it looks that much better right yeah so yeah all you guys out there that didn't understand that whole concept with buying versus making doors yeah it wasn't a put down no. uh, to you small guys out there I know there's this definitely for, for saving money. It's easier to buy doors and buy the draw box and all that. But then tell the customer that's what you're doing. Uh, yeah, especially if you're doing raised panel doors and stuff like that. See, we make the choice to not really. I mean, we haven't built any yet raised panel doors because probably won't. It's not in our wheelhouse. No. So we stick to what we can do efficiently right. and, you know, the best way. We typically we do don't that. do any turnings or anything like no, that. No, we build, you know, flat panel doors, maybe with some applied moldings or, or something like that. But, yeah. you know, we won't, it doesn't fit our aesthetic, but uh, we try and do what we can do ourselves because we like to do it all, of our, all ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for calling us out on that. No, yeah. no offense at all. Um, and let's, let's move on to the next uh, Next topic. Okay, you know what the next topic is? Tool of the week. Oh. And guess oh. whose turn it is? <laughs> Me. <laughs> now, what do you define as a tool in a shop? Tom. Something that you... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tom. That, Tom. That's, that's uh, what do you call it, colloquial. <laughs> it's not just a, uh, a, a piece of machinery or a plane or... A ruler, uh, a tape measure. Saw. A saw. I define this, and my pick this week is basically a very simple tool, which is very indispensable to us, and that is the mechanical pencil. Thank you, thank you. Two cheers for the mechanical pencil. Oh, yeah. Now, I love to have the mechanical pencil. And Cass, if you saw last week's uh, podcast... I had four of them in my uh, Calavera uh, apron, tool apron. Uh, so it's just easy to just grab one. If that doesn't work, I grab the other one. But I like to have that, that feel of those extra pencils in there so I, in case I'm missing something, I don't, I don't lose out. But uh, How deep down into the four have you gotten? Have you gotten down to the last? Oh, I'm pretty sure I have. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've touched all four. Probably on a job site, though. Not so much in the shop. True, true. But uh, I started out with, this was the last pencil I bought, and this is a Pentel Graflet. Yep. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Nine, nine millimeter. I don't use the seven. I don't use the, the five. Is it five? Yeah, five. They're too soft, and, and the tips keep breaking. But this is perfect. You just If your tip breaks, you just press it a couple of times, and you're back to writing again. And it leaves a nice, uh, nice small line. Uh, the one before that was the one I used to get at Staples, which is the same. It's a Pentel uh, nine millimeter, but this is like yeah, they call it a Pentel is, Sharp. Yeah, this one's the lower end model. 
This one was a pretty pi pricey, wasn't it? I think. Uh, no, well, no, like and 10 bucks, was it? You know what? Bucks, it was right? like seven, eight bucks, probably. It was well worth it, and yeah. Uh, yeah. that's what I consider a valuable tool to the shop because everybody uses a pencil. People use those carpenter pencils, which are a pain in the rear end. Not here. Uh, even the regular pencil, number two pencil. Sorry, number two pencil. You have to sharpen it all the time. This at least always has a point or somewhat of a point that you can always write and make your marks with. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's my tool of the week. Yeah, I, well, we all use <laughs> we're, we're all equally crazy yeah. about our choices, too. Yeah, I uh, use the, the Pentel Sharp. I started out with that, too. I moved on to the Graph Gear 500, it's called, which is really similar to that Graphlet. Uh, so this is like not, I thought this was the highest end. Oh, no. Well, I don't know in terms of Pentel what is, but, I mean, Rob's got, like, $30 pencils. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. There's another... There's a, there's a day worth of looking on the web for pencils. Yeah. yeah. One is lost somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Nobody knows my little, my little Italian... Well, that, so, yeah, I, I prefer the aluminum-bodied Rotring. It's a German-made pencil. And uh, I actually go with a two millimeter lead that requires an additional uh, fine point get put on it. Um, goes back to my drafting days, and that's why I prefer that style of lead. And it's not the, the incremental advance, but it, it has the little clasp jaws at the bottom. Yeah, so it just flies out. When you <laughs> no. it well, it all depends ground. on your technique, because <laughs> when you're used to using those, you let it fall to, you know, you yes. touch where it's going to go yeah, to. Yeah. And uh, so I have, my, I have that, and I also have a similar pencil that has a colored lead in it. Right now it's got red lead. Um, and uh, I did have an Italian-made pencil that, unbeknownst to me, the word notebook meant, yes, it was a tiny pencil. So I took quite a, quite a bit of ribbing over my notebook pencil. I had I, I, I grown a, uh, what do you call it, accustomed to it? Yeah. And then I lost it, which, you know, sometimes <laughs> around here, if it gets lost, you don't know. Uh, allegedly, <laughs> it was lost. Well, you never know what you somebody never, would have picked up you and just thrown in the trash. What could happen? Yeah. But we love our pencils oh, here. Yeah. Yeah. Even pencil lead, I use very specific. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I use the point nine as well. I use a Uniball. Uh, it's a HB hardness. <laughs> yeah. the, the packaging is 100% in Japanese. Yeah. Not, you know, not a stitch of English we can, on we it. We could probably have a whole show. <laughs> yeah, Nano Dia, it's called. It's supposed to be diamond infused. Yeah. So that, I mean, we all use the Japanese lead because it is the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, I keep a graphlet like that with, uh, I have some, some white lead here. Yeah. So this yeah. is for sewing called Soline. It's super soft, which I'm not a big fan yeah. of, but this is good for uh, sapili, walnut, stuff like that. Yeah. That's like the, the tail is used to use the chalk. Yep. You know, that's, I used to mark out the seams and stuff. Soap. Yeah, that's still soap chalk. Yeah, yeah. It's very waxy. I remember yeah. it. I could never do, even uh, as a finished carpenter, I use the Pentel Sharp. I like it because the line ends up about the same width as the line on the tape measure. Yeah. So, unless you're using a marking knife, I mean, good uh, luck getting... I was a big number two pencil man for my whole life until I started, you know, working with you guys. And I still have my old crank pencil sharpener on the wall. And, um... <laughs> nobody, sound, nobody just saw that, our but our sound... wall just fell. Wall just <laughs> fell. Yeah. Almost hit my MacBook Pro directly <laughs> in the screen. And the camera. Yeah, yeah, got lucky there. Wow. Um, and I wonder whose side that was who yeah. put that up. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so the, the thing about the pencil, though, is the, the number two. I was so finicky about the size of that pencil that I'd have to sharpen off about the first third of it to get to where it felt right. Yeah, and you only have that short life because then they get short. Yeah, number two pencil's way too long. If you tried to put it in your apron, it would stick out. Yeah, the so you'd have to sharpen off the first third of it. Yeah, well... We're all much better for it. Thank you for uh, enlightening yes, us, Rich, I, and bringing it up. I knew that, that would be a very good uh, yeah. subject. Yeah, that's a good one. And yeah. I'd like to hear from you guys out there, or, and women, yeah. with uh, what you use, yeah. Uh, yeah. which was your favorite pencil. 
Yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, put it down in the comments. Uh, send us a message on Instagram, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. What's next? Topic of the week. Okay, yeah. Okay, the topic of the week. Hand tools versus power tools. Now, how does this come into play? Well, let's say you're sitting at your bench and you have a choice of using a hand tool or a power tool that'll do basically the same job. What do you pick up first? Yeah, why would you pick up a hand tool as opposed to a power tool? I mean, the power tool, right off the bat, seems like it's the easy choice. Yes, I mean, but the only drawback to that is the setup. With, with a hand tool, you basically already it's already set up for you, like your planes and all that. So if you wanted to knock an edge down, all you just got to do is run your plane through it. The same thing if you're using a smoothing plane. See, I got that. You would, instead of using a uh, handheld electric uh, joiner, planer, it, it's just so much easier. Yeah. We don't really use that. That's more like no, a but job that's, site uh, To me, it, it's, yeah. it's the laziness <coughs> of, of me going to get the electric tool if I got the hand tool right there and there in front of me. So that's, so that's going to be your driving yeah, force. Yeah, that's my lazy, driving force. Instead laziness. of me walking across the shop to get that tool, if I have the t hand tool there, that's what I'm going with. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? Well, I'd say my most, um, the most frequent example of this for me is cleaning up edges on something that's been ripped on yeah, the table. You're so a big planer. Yeah, I use the smoothing plane to just, you know, couple, three, four, you know, even less if, you know, depends on what blade you have in, uh, to clean up an edge because sanding an edge sucks. Yeah. You have to hold it up or clamp it in a certain way. And then you got to worry about that one little splinter. Yeah, oh, it just yeah. happens to find the spot on the sandpaper when you're breaking the edge, and then that little piece just pops up. Yeah, or when you're sanding the flat, it'll rip the paper. Yeah. Um, and you only have a one-inch wide or a three-quarter-inch wide reference surface to reference the sander on, which makes it very difficult to keep square. So if you have a, a, you know, a good bench and a good work-holding system, you can just clamp it up couple swipes with the plane and you're good to go it's good for doors yeah uh, like when we rip stock for doors we'll put a dado in it and then uh, i like to clean them up with the plane to get the either the joiner marks or the saw marks off so what would you say is the the biggest factor in why you would choose a hand tool well the ease of use because using a sander is so cumbersome on a, on a narrow yeah. uh, piece of stock so you like say that. it's it's actually when it's the better option yeah yeah and you know a pass with a smoothing plane is going to leave you with a whatever we'll call yeah. it a thousand grit yeah. sandpaper finish. Uh, when in reality, it's probably higher than that. But um, versus having to work to get saw marks out specifically, you're going to have to yeah. start at a hundred grit and then go all the way up to two twenty or whatever your finish sanding three twenty. Um, the other thing is the noise. <laughs> I don't want to stand there with a with a loud sander in my hand for. 20 minutes i'd like to be over here in the corner with a smoothing plane and yeah do it that yeah, way yeah that that's number one for me um a lot of times you're here in the shop and it's not just you it's you and two other guys so even if you're doing something contemplative or what have you um there might be uh, the jointer a planer anything going at any given time so the the shop could be pretty noisy mm -hmm. and even with you know, if you put on ear protection, then you kind of feel like you got this this muffled thing going on. You just want to let your ears out yeah. to breathe. And um, you can really get in a zone with a hand tool that you can't do with repetitive stuff on a machine. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what I enjoy as well. Um, my favorite hand tools, probably the class of them, is probably chisels. I mean, I love getting in there and just working with a chisel and just doing, you know, nothing crazy, just squaring up mortises or, you know, cleaning out grooves and things like that. Uh, sometimes we have to, you know, do a little bit more than that with a chisel, but usually most of the, the heavy lifting's done with a machine. Mm -hmm. But then you can come over, you come over to the bench, you, you, you know, you turn that vice, you, you feel a little bit more authentic, too, once you start oh, yeah. busting out those tools. And um, 
we have, you know, a lot of nice hand tools. It's, mm -hmm. it's nice to get to use them. That's the other part. You know, we get to um, use our stuff, which is part of the joy of doing the woodworking. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and really, a lot of the stuff we'd probably prefer to do with hand tools. But yeah. Can we justify taking and hold? You know, we make <laughs> the, these, the these speed. Uh, yeah, we make these compromises a lot of times where yeah. we'll take a little longer to do something because we want to do it a certain way. Right. But we can't make that choice every time. No. The next thing you know, the doors will be closed and lights are off. Right. You can't afford to do that, it. That, that might be a good topic coming down the road, you know, because we can sound all haughty and high and mighty with our ideals and how we build and do this. We should talk about the specific compromises that we do make mm -hmm. in order to balance uh, earning a living for three guys here in the Northeast. It's expensive. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you Highest know. cost of living in the country, I think. In, in yeah, America. yeah. So, um, you know, it, it takes some um, uh, tap dancing on many occasions to get the to get the work and to put it out at a profit. You know, it's, mm -hmm. these aren't gallery pieces. This is, you know paid for and we've got to come in on budget mm -hmm. or we lose money right um we don't go back to the client and say ah it took us another week can you give us another check no that's <laughs> right. that's on us yeah and we we don't pad the projects with a ton of profit no because there's no there's not that much meat left on the bone by yeah the time you take the time to really do it the right way yeah it's it's usually just the minimum we go, can we make more than our base salary on this job? <laughs> you know, can we get another hundred bucks each? <laughs> sometimes. That's the answer, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes is the answer. It takes a lot of good luck, usually. Yeah. Things have to really, the stars have to align and things have to get. Right. Um, I mean, the other thing, every, almost everything we do, even though there are repetitive elements, it's going to have a lot of unique features because mm -hmm. that's, part of what we love and yeah. and how we we go about things so we're going to have to figure it out as we're doing it right. each time yeah the goal is you know if someone if you have a piece from us and someone walks into your house they're not going to say oh where did you buy that they're going to say who built you that yeah where'd because, you get that you know it's, it's going to be clear that it that it didn't get bought at a store right yeah yeah and that's that's hopefully our next job you know, that's, that's how we stay in business. Yeah. All right. Is that it? Yeah, Again, that's it for that, you know, it. urge people to write in because we love hearing from people. Um, yeah. And that's what, uh, you know, it's one of the best things about broadcasting, you know, what we do and what we think out there is to get feedback. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We like to get feedback from people. Uh, in fact, we got two questions at the, for the viewer question of the week, but that's later on in the broadcast. But uh, we like that. We, especially with that first clarifying buying versus making doors oh, yeah. and drawers. I mean, you know, if you want to explain uh, ourselves, you spend a day in here, you'll know we got pretty thick skin. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know we're very you opinionated, can, yeah. but it doesn't mean that your opinion's not valid. We can take it. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm sure, yeah, we may think one thing, and it may be, you know. Yeah. So what, what we got next is is oh, it? Oh, it, it's time for yeah. Rob's petty gripe of the week. All right. I can't wait to hear what this one is. Well, listen, uh, it's the 23rd as we're uh, filming this. Uh, do you say filming or do you say taping nowadays? Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Recording. Should, we're recording. So, um, and yesterday was the last day of summer. Ooh, well, hooray! Today's petty gripe for the week is, uh, is it's actually an anti-gripe because summer is my least favorite season. And here in the Northeast, there's plenty of reasons not to like summer. Mosquitoes, 90 degrees with 95% humidity, trapped in the air conditioning. Uh, I mean... <laughs> We have, I mean, we're blessed because our shop is small enough that we can air condition the entire place. Yep, and heat. Yeah, and heat, yes, and so it keeps the wood dry. Um, I mean, I remember the years where I didn't have it. and they were, us dry. Yeah, there were weeks where I'd have to stop working because yeah. you couldn't build inset, you know, doors and drawers and little cabinets and things. And I had a hard time compensating for all the swelling. And then also, you know, you go into a nice climate-controlled house, everything shrinks. Yep. But 
I digress. The streets are packed. Oh, yeah, because we live on the shore. Yeah, yeah, locally are referred to as Bennies. Yeah. Bayonne, Elizabeth, Newark, New York, which yeah. you guys are kind of uh, guilty of. Yeah. Well, I never came that. out here when I didn't live here. <laughs> of that yeah. demographic. Yeah. No, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I'm here now uh, 18 years, so uh, I'm a native. Born, well, yeah. A lot of transplants around here. Yeah, yeah. Born in Brooklyn, live here in the same spot now for 18 years. So my anti-gripe is hello, fall. My favorite season. And again, here in the Northeast, it's, it makes a difference. I lived in California for about 10, 12 years. It's not the same. It's just not the same. And I lived in Northern California. Um, so I had access to Sonoma and Napa and all those places where I worked in San Francisco. And we did a lot of work in uh, wine country. Um, it's great. It cools off. You got your sweatshirt on in the morning. It, we sat outside for lunch. It, I mean, it's glorious. It's yeah. re- it, it gets really dry all of a sudden. Um, fall in the Northeast is, is the best it can be, really. Yeah. Um, this must- time of year, too, they, and a little bit sooner than now, but like the, all of September, basically, is kind of referred to as like local summer. That's yeah, all yeah. the local people get to actually enjoy summer. Because right, they all just go yeah, home. They went home. <laughs> the weather got better. You know, today was great. It was sunny, and the sun is nice and warm, but it's cool yeah. enough outside to sit yeah. outside. So, what plus, about it gives you, Rich? us a chance to. Well, we'd like to have a barbecue. Not only barbecue, but we usually break early on Fridays, and we just sit outside. We have a ring, a fire pit. Yeah, out there, and we get to sit, and we get to talk about what went on during the week and what our expectations are for next week. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. love the fall. I, I love yeah. Halloween. It's one of my favorite. It's not really a holiday, but I, I just love this time of year. Yeah, I mean, know. you can get the Indian summer oh, yeah. that, that drags on, yeah. but once you get to this level, you can shut the air conditioners off in the house, open up your windows, and it's just enjoyable. It's yeah. just enjoyable. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. You'll so, get some people to argue that Halloween is a holiday. Yeah. My yeah. wife being one of them. <laughs> it's already started in my house. Oh, yeah. Oh, we, I was, when I was up in the Catskills, their people had Halloween decorations out already. Too yeah. soon. Yeah, that's, that's what it's I'm too saying. soon. So, uh, yeah, tell us. Uh, Halloween decorations now, too soon? Too soon? Or not too soon? Or too soon. Yeah, it's I not agree. even October. Yeah, I, I'm on I the know. too soon. No, I, you know why? It, it also could be because of this whole pandemic uh thing people just want to do something yeah yeah i mean i got a call from some uh, relative of mine wanted to know what the best wood for making tombstone tomb, tombstones was for the outside of the house uh, <laughs> was that like a <laughs> like a surreptitious request for you to cut some wood for no them? no in fact i i said then just get World's a pl- most expensive get, tombstones get a get a piece of plywood and make them out of that you could seal the ends yeah. and all that because you're not going to get a piece of wood, glue it up, just to make a, uh, a tombstone. It'll look it, like it a cowboy just, tombstone exa- if it splits. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Thinking yeah. like, you know, Wengi probably has the right <laughs> color for that. He was asking me what, what would last out in the weather. And what I'm thinking, well, teak. But you want to make a tombstone that's about $100? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> that's if he did it himself. If you did it, no, that's true, and uh, it would I cost them nothing. I didn't want to do it anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. I have enough. I have enough favors. I'm trying to catch up on. That's right. <laughs> that's true. And the next time I'll mention the the, the one that's going to be going out the door yeah, soon. Yeah, so. we we always know because the phone rings. We hear Rich talking on the phone. We know it's usually one of his kids, and they're adults, you know. Yeah. But but you can hear how the conversation's going. It's one got you know whiff of the another one getting something or you know getting a favor from dad you know rich is is very generous with his time and um so that can come back to you know haunt him a bit (laughs) he is he is he's a good dad he's a good dad pop thank you (laughs) so so uh, it wasn't really a gripe. It, it was, was the anti-gripe. anti-gripe. But, uh, yeah. It was a good subject. Because it's like a beautiful a fall. Breath of fresh air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't wait to open up the doors a little bit and open up the windows and 
get some regular <laughs> we, we, we never that. open up the doors and windows here for, we're afraid of humidity <laughs> yeah we actually we had a guy called Matt who was picking up some scrap wood to burn in his fire pit he said man I can't believe you guys don't have the windows and doors open like, uh, I won't be able to sleep tonight if yeah. windows and doors are open we, on some levels, we're quite spoiled. Come in and have a twisted board. <laughs> True. Well, we spend a lot of time. I mean, we, we get the, the lumber in rough. We'll mill it down close. We sticker it again ourselves. And then we'll mill it, you know, again. Milling meaning planing and jointing. Yeah, yeah. Even then. Yeah. It still yeah. moves. It's wood. It, it, yeah. It's going to move. Yeah. It does what it wants to. So you try and mitigate as much as you can. But What we got for the viewer question now, Jeff? Uh, so we're going to do actually two this week. We have uh, the first question is, what do you think of the Festival Domino? Is it cheating when replacing traditional mortise and tenon? That's from uh, Blake in New Orleans, Louisiana. So what do you guys think? Go first, Rich. Get a life, Blake. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I don't consider it uh, cheating. I, I think uh, we don't have the equipment here to do... Uh, Mortises, we don't have a mortising machine, so we chose to do it uh, with the domino machine. Uh, and maybe if we had a mortising machine, it, it would be a lot easier for us to do, but well, I don't have a problem using the domino at all. Before that, it was the biscuit joiner. Let me ask you this. Why would a mortising machine be less of a cheat than the domino? Well, that's true, because you're, you're doing the same thing. You're using a machine to cut the mortise instead of chiseling it out by hand. I mean, how we do all our mortise and tenons, for the most part, is on a table saw. That's true. Um, yeah, for do yeah, for yeah, doors. For doors. So let's take a door. We'll basically use the dado blade, and we'll run a groove down the, you know, the edge of the board. We cut the tenons on the... Uh, same same setup. Basically, mm -hmm. we use a little homemade sled. Yep. Run across both sides, fit it. Sometimes we gotta bust out the shoulder plane to clean it up a little bit. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you know and what? We really don't use the domino no. that much. We have a domino. Yeah. We, we use it for like big big doors. Yeah. Here's my thing. If it's a hidden mortise and tenon joint, really right. it doesn't make <clears> any <throat> difference. If as long as you're not selling it as hand not even hand cut, but I mean, I guess it doesn't really make a difference even that way. It's I mean, a, it is a mortise. It's a floating tenon. That's what I mean. That's an old fashioned technique as well. It's just instead of this specialized machine cutting an oval, you'd trim it out in a rectangle, just right. like anything else. And then your your domino was a was a rectangular hand cut, you know, piece of wood. Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys do it, uh, you know, large scale. With a router and mm -hmm. and a floating tenon, so you yeah. do you even still have those? It's just like a big domino, just big yeah. um, mortise with round corners and a big slip tenon. I've even done it all the way to the end and just used it almost like you might see in a breadboard, you know, with uh, with doors. You know where oh, I like make, where you see the edge. Of yeah, the, where where the you know loose tenon goes all the way to the end of the door, and so you just have your little rectangle there yeah, inside. Yeah. You know, both halves. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to handle it, but what do you think, Jeff? Cheating or not cheating? Uh, it's not cheating if, as long as you're not billing it as something it's not. Just like the same thing with the doors exactly. and the drawers. Exactly. As long as you're not telling your client that you have, you know, hand-cut mortise and tenon joints, then right. it is what it is. It's just another tool that, you know, makes our job a little bit easier so that we can focus that time and energy on something else. Right. And, and I mean... It's not a foolproof thing. I mean, it's a fest tool. It's built well. But things can happen. You have, still have to know how to use your tools to, to do these things. Yeah, and, you know, there's definitely some domino overkill out there. Yeah. We see the guys, like, doing edge glue-ups. Right. We don't use biscuits or dominoes. <laughs> you know, we, we just glue it up. Yeah. Um, if it's a board that needs a little persuasion, maybe we'll throw a couple in. But for the most part, if you join it and plane it flat and true, yeah. then it goes it together. Just up. Easy. Yeah. I've seen guys put dominoes in, in doors with a stub tenon. So you have a mortise and tenon that's cut into the door, and then they add a domino, which 
seems like overkill. We haven't had a stub tenon door open up ever. No, never. Yeah, it's never is it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've made a, a lot of doors. Yeah. We've done a lot of mortise and tenon work. So, so no for you? No for me. It's a no for me, too. And uh, just to reemphasize what Jeff said, it's all about just being up front. If you go into a client and say, yeah, I'm going to, you know, hand cut mortise and tenons and all these doors for you, and then you use a machine, it, that's just misrepresentation. Right. It's not cheating um, as far as like being a woodworker or not a woodworker. It's just misrepresenting what you're selling to the client. Yeah, and I wouldn't, if we're using a domino, I wouldn't tell a client that we're using mortise and tenon. I would say that we're using floating tenons. Yeah, because that's what it is. Well, that's just the same question with a dovetail versus a hand-cut dovetail and using a dovetail machine. We use dovetail machine. We do hand-cut. Well, we have done hand-cut dovetails in the past. Yeah. Well, we use but that we don't, color jig. But we don't, uh, we, don't, we don't advertise that these are hand-cut uh, dovetails in all our draw yeah. boxes. Yeah, if we wanted to do a through mortise, you know, that where you saw the, the end bridal of the tenon, joint, yeah. yeah, or you saw the end of the tenon coming through, you know, the, the style of a door or something, well, we would hand cut that. Yeah. You know, if we had a, a mortising machine, we'd use that. Um, but if you want, you know, very skinny pins, well, it's the same thing. You don't have any choice but to hand cut them. So. Right. So I hope it answers your question, Balake. Balake, what's his no? <laughs> Key and Peel fans <laughs> will chuckle. Which, which, and which I'll let Jeff read out the next question also. Ah, uh, yeah. So this is from uh, Brian Jones. I'm not not sure where you're from, Brian. Uh, but we got this on Instagram. He asked, uh, "Scraper plane versus card scraper versus smoothing plane." From Brian Jones. Never trust a guy with two first names. I didn't know Just Jones saying. was a first name. Yeah, Joan. No, Jones. Jones That's a woman's yeah. name, Joan. Yeah. A lot of famous Brian Joneses. That's true. He put me down. I, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. There you you go. only have one first name. Brian Adams is more of a yeah. First yeah there name. you go. So I know those of you who are just listening, you're not going to see this. I'm just going to. That's a, a Lee Nielsen scraper plane. It's a card scraper. And there's a number four smoother. So we're just kind of putting things out there for a visual reference. Two are obviously fairly large planes. One is a rectangular piece of metal. Yeah, that's a DFM <laughs> made in Chicago. <laughs> you want to go first this time, Jeff? Uh, yeah. So I, I'm not sure what Brian is asking, whether he's asking which we use most often or which is best for i guess dealing with difficult grain um so i guess it, it's kind of going to be a multifaceted answer yeah I, I mean the thing i use the most well i don't know i was going to say card scraper but it's probably the smoother because yeah. i use the smoother for like i said before uh cleaning up edges sometimes breaking edges if it's a if it's a long piece a lot of times i'll use the smoother because it keeps uh contact with the piece one-handed a little better you know because it's got all that weight out in yeah. front of it um uh what was i saying well you were just kind of <laughs> gonna say why you would use each oh, yeah. tool and when yeah yeah to be honest the scraper plane i haven't used um need to set it up and and use it um it's a nice looking tool yeah oh yeah you know lee nielsen makes Nice stuff. I don't know if they're even making this scraper plane anymore. I think they're only making the smaller ones. But yeah. Uh, so honestly, I haven't personally used that scraper plane. Um, I use the card scraper a lot. Used it today for just taking squeeze out off of some glue ups. And you know, when you have diff- when I have difficult grain, I reach for the card scraper because you know the smoother is just a regular standard angle plane, and it doesn't really deal with you know reverse grain all that well. Um, depends on what kind of pass you're taking and stuff like that. But so for difficult grain, the scraper for regular everyday work, you know, more often I'm grabbing the, the smoothing plane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me, for me, it's also the card scraper. In fact, if I had to choose, you know, a short list of tools to have in the shop, the card scraper, you know, I'd have to see what they would be 
how it was limited to it, but it'd definitely be on my short list. I use the card scraper all the time. I use it, you know, the traditional way with, with two hands on it, kind of getting that, that bow in the middle for, you know, working around. <laughs> Sorry nice. for scratching nice. Um, really <laughs> tricky grain for leveling off joints, one-handed for, uh, you know, scraping glue from a joint. Even, you know, I can pull it down yeah, yeah. A, an edge to get the, the table saw marks off or, or maybe a little bit of chatter from the joiner. I love the card scraper. I have four of them, mm -hmm. and I like to just have them all tuned up and ready to go because when it's, I feel it start to get a little dull, I'll just put, you know, toss it to the side and grab another one without having to tune it up. And it's, it's so inexpensive for what it does, too. I marvel at yeah. it for, you know, this seeming... Uh, what you about know, like the gooseneck and the French curve? You you find you use them often? I, or? <laughs> yeah, I have we them. We all have them. I mean, everybody's got them. <laughs> once every six months yeah. like and it's only because there's like a piece of molding or something like that because most of the time we get a piece of molding that we're gonna need to sand it's gonna be a piece of sandpaper wrapped around something that fits that mm -hmm. piece of molding and i'm doing it by hand um you know i'd only reach for that if i felt like i had to get off of an egregious gouge yep. or something like that um but yeah, they're mostly decoration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, because we all have one of those sets, you yeah. know. But that's why uh, you know we have them. What about you, Rich? I don't use any of them. <laughs> yeah. I just take a sander. <laughs> yeah. No. My choice would probably be again the card scraper. Uh, number one, it's it's not that expensive to get these. You do want to get them from a reputable. Uh, a place, oh, which yeah. is a place there's a difference from. in the simple oh, yeah. scraper yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. it's it's definitely has to be a good one uh they're easy to sharpen uh and again they're they're not that expensive if you want to buy a, a card scraper plane you're talking about that's got to be at least 175 dollars maybe 200 dollars. <laughs> yeah that's maybe almost three yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking almost 400 bucks for. I mean, yeah. you get a. Those uh, are Lee Nielsen yeah, plans. Yeah, like we talked about in the other episode, you can get an antique uh, or used, whatever. But you're going to spend yeah. a lot of time. Yeah, and I don't. I really don't use that. I mean, but look at the blade uh, on this thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. use that at all. I use this, the card scraper, and then I use the smoothing plane. I don't get involved with that. Yeah. Because Rob's got a hidden to begin with <laughs> under his bench, and he says, "Yeah, I, it's here. It's right there." But then again, I see him take about another five minutes. Trying to find it. How to unlock. Yeah. How to unlock, unlock his uh, security area there. Yeah, the scraper plane doesn't seem to be a very popular tool. No. Uh, buddy Kevin on Instagram up in Canada, he set up his Veritas. Uh, was it a Veritas? I think so. Veritas or Lee Nielsen scraper plane, and he was pulling, like, beautiful shaving. Yeah. So I'm a little jealous. I'd like yeah. to set it up. But We're going to do that one of these days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we have to get into those how-to videos. I know people are saying... Uh, we should get into that more often. Yeah. And uh, once we get everything set up and, and we have a lot of work coming in the door, we'll spend time and, and do those how-to videos yeah. using uh, a variety of these, of these tools uh, we have here. Yeah. If there's anything you want to see, let us know. Yeah, very good. Very good. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. Yes, it was. A I hope we answered your question. I thought you were calling Rich Brian. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Brian. And if if uh, if you meant something else by your question, let us know. We'll we'll uh, touch on it next yeah. episode. Which uh, leaves us to our last uh, thought, and that is the thought of the beer of the week. And since I brought the beer, I get to go last. So I'll go. All right, Labatt, Blue Canadian Pilsner. Isn't it Labatt? Labatt. Labatt. I think it's Labatt. Labatt. Is that the way the Canadians say it? Or the Jerseyites? I don't know. Hey. Well, hey. we have some Canadian listeners. Let us know. Yeah, let us know. How do you say it? Is it Labatt? Or Labatt. Or Labatt. Or something completely different. I mean, there's two T's. I say like bat is B-A-T. Like yeah, a, like a bat of uh, yawn or a bat of... No, like a bat oh, that like flies. A bat of, like a bat of insulation yeah. is two T's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. You're, oh, does yeah, it? See, we're it's shooting Labatt. your, your argument full of holes. 
spot. It must be my European heritage. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. It's quite varied. <laughs> you know? I got in trouble the last time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We had to do some editing. <laughs> um, I'll say that I, I drank it all, and I don't know. I mean, I didn't dislike it. It didn't stand out to me in any way at all. It was just kind of like a beer. Like if you, it, that's, that's how I would describe it. It's a beer. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad. It tastes like a beer. Um, it has, like, this is like, um, we were talking about the Grolsch last week. This is like a more basic sort of version of something like that. It has that same sort of Didn't filter. have, like, a real distinctive kind no, of No, no, it's just it. a regular, kind of like a regular old beer. You'd drink a lot more of these than you probably should. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, and you can see we all, <laughs> we all finished it. <laughs> 10, 15 minutes right, ago. Right, I mean, exactly. it's smooth. It's like, it's like drinking a, a diet soda. It's not like one of those craft beers when you just take it and yeah. you're going, mm. no. it's got some bitter taste to it. Yeah, yes, there's, there's is, no bitterness there. This is, no. if you're done, yeah. this, is just, this is just a beer. Uh, it's a Canadian beer. It's just like getting up there, getting a Budweiser, yes. getting a Coors. Uh, this is the beer that they drink up there, Molson, Labatt. Um, he said it. Canada. You hear? Did you hear him? Toronto. He said Labatt. Yeah. You said Labatt. That's what he said. Labatt. It has, you know, it has. That's more what of that I said. You Pilsner. said it was Labatt. It has more of a Pilsner taste. <laughs> I'm gonna than, check uh, the video. Than, than like a Bud Light. It has more of that. You know, if you if you drink Heineken versus like a Bud Light, it has more of that bitter sort of Pilsner taste, and that's that's what uh, this tastes more like to me. Yes, it does. It has that little bit. I'm sure it's good on tap. Uh, oh yeah. Because anything you get in a can or a bottle. It just doesn't have the same taste as a, a tap beer. This is the kind you like to have, like super cold. Should we do that? Bring in a, a whole keg <laughs> and uh, test it out? We we'll have to change it every week. How yeah. do you think out there? You think we should bring a whole keg in here? No, it's going to have to be one of those small kegs. Yeah, we can like get a, a beer ball. We can get a yeah. fifth keg. Yeah. I'll, I wonder if we're going to have to contact Belford. Yeah, we have a brewery that's, um, as the crow flies, probably about a half a mile from here. And they make great beer. We had their beer at my wedding. Hopefully, they're going to be a sponsor of us. <laughs> yeah. So I keep, I keep asking. Yeah, I think we have to develop a little bit more of a, a listener a crew. Okay. Yeah, so a little be, better report. And then they'll be fighting over us. Not a bad <laughs> position to be in. Yeah, well, then we're going to get pick and choose. <laughs> Should have told you to do it before. Yeah, get it on the ground level. Cheaper that way. Yeah. So we're going to say goodbye? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it uh, for today. Uh, I hope everybody has a great day. Enjoy yeah. the, the weather. Be well out there. Yeah. Yep. And we'll and see you again next week. Yep. All see right. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Da, we went da, da, exactly an hour. Again? Yeah. So we're within a minute of... Five uh, is what it is so